Hey, green there, travelers. It's your DM, Lucas. I am recording this intro on March 1st, so literally the day of release. I am very, very, very excited to get this audio drama out to all of you. I have run into a number of issues getting this complete. Just a lot of stuff from regular everyday life coming in the way of content creation. But I am happy to now show you the sacred flame. We have had a number of amazing voices join us for this one. And I want you to stick around to the end because we're going to be playing promos for all their podcasts. And I have listened to each of these podcasts. They are all absolutely stunning. I really think you'd enjoy them. If you enjoy Ballad, I think you're really going to like these ones. I'm just going to go through a quick list of the people who have helped lend their voices and a little bit about their podcasts. So we have Leanne from Bad Heroes, who played Maleficent, or Mal. Bad Heroes is a Pathfinder actual play podcast where the heroes get actually recruited by quite the evil queen to end up having to go look into numerous different kinds of creatures and travel around this very spooky kingdom they have set up. I highly suggest this one if you really like that feeling of the heroes just trying their damnedest to make it through something scary, kind of like what we have with Ballad. We also have Dennis from Control Group who played Dalen. The Control Group is a wonderful podcast if you are interested in trying to find other TTRPGs out there aside from D&D. You can hear Monster of the Week being played, Lasers and Feelings, they have a Game of Thrones one that I really enjoyed. There is all sorts of TTRPGs they're playing, and there's always new ones coming out. So go check out Control Group because you can broaden the, all the games you play. I love D&D, I play D&D all the time, but I also love playing new ones, so go give them a listen. We have Taylor from Chasm Quest, who played the role of Aldric. Chasm Quest is a D&D actual play podcast that takes place with uh, people traveling to a new land. It has themes of colonialism, but instead of the whole rah-rah, colonialism is great, they really take on um, a very interesting approach to it, where they delve into the other side of the story, where it's more of fighting back against just a larger group consuming the other. Instead, it is trying to push back, persevere, and preserve. Definitely a fantastic podcast to listen to. Highly suggest it. The Rowdy Boys are quite funny. We also have Kieran from For Crits and Giggles, who played Ethix. For Crits and Giggles is an absolute amazing podcast. It is a D&D actual place set in the homebrew world of Viennis, and it follows along with a number of heroes who just kind of got pulled into something. And I, I know that's, that's a classic tale, but the, what they get pulled into is they're, they're seeing their world change before them as the gods one by one are disappearing. And they do an amazing job having the whole crew come together with world building Kieran does a great job at helping his players step into the DM role, and it, I can't suggest this one enough. It is a lot of fun to listen to. And of course, we have Michelle coming back to reprise the role of Dorum Highfire. 
Michelle has been instrumental in making sure that Ballad not only stays afloat, but has been helping me write a number of the characters, stories, and is the co-creator of our homebrew world for Rise of Nirlathotep, Lothreilta. So, to get you back into the story, the heroes were just talking to the King in Yellow, aka Haster, and they were getting a lot of different questions answered, including train-related ones. Then Haster wanted to show them something, kind of like the reason why all of this is happening. The reason why Dorum is so dead set on trying to destroy the gods and bring in this other worldly beast known as Azathoth. And so the heroes were just about to be shown this, uh, this story through this strange orb-like device. And so we're going to be hopping into a tale before Dorum had just become this grand villain. More of a time when Dorum was actually a hero. And Dorum's whole adventuring group, they had stopped an archangel. They had saved the Sword Coast. This is a story about how even though heroes may have good intentions, even though heroes may be incredibly powerful, when they step into the wrong situation, when they rush forward, they too can fail. And it can result in a catastrophic situation, such as the Ballad of the Chosen Few. So once again, stick around to the end. We have some amazing promos from these people. I really want you to hear their podcasts. They are fantastic. I've listened and reviewed all of them. If you can do the same, that'd be absolutely amazing. You would make my day. All right. So enough of me whispering in this room. Let's hop into this story. I present to you the Sacred Flame. You see the strange device before you. It starts fluctuating and images start appearing as the king in yellow gazes down their colossal being, imposing this crushing feeling of power. And we go to another story. Greetings, travelers, if you haven't noticed, it's me, Winger Gimble, famous name Bad. I'm here to tell you a story that takes place in a different time. A time before the onslaught of Dorum's forces in the corrupted armies of the Far Realms. Back when the Mythos War was still in its early stages and the Chosen were just starting to enter this world. Today, we look back upon the heroes of the Sacred Flame. These four brave adventurers were not only responsible for keeping the peace along the Sword Coast, but they also personally fought and slayed the fallen angel known as Palgrith the Unclean, whose sole focus was to cleanse the worlds of sentient mortal species. These four brave heroes are Maleficent the Wraith, Aldric the Beast, the wise father Solomon Matthews, and Dorum Highfire, the Shining Archmage. We go to them now as they enjoy the spoils of their adventure and the peace they've rightfully earned. 
Our story begins as the kitchen doors of the small inn in Illini closes, and the server brings out the last dish of the feast. Our brave heroes are seated around a large dining table, enjoying themselves a well-earned meal. Most of the townfolk in the village have gone home for the night, as our party of four feast and regale tales of glory. And when I cleave the archangel's head off... Fallen archangel. Yeah, yeah, fallen archangel. Whatever. When I cleaved his head off, I felt so much power rush through me. I know we talked about the ripple, but I tell you, it's still flowing through me. Perhaps my might has acquired another worldly quality. I think that's just adrenaline, dear brother. (laughs) (sighs) Doubt it. It was a battle like no other. Gonna be strange settling down. I don't know if any of us ever can really settle down after that. Those things we saw, those beings out there, do you really think any of us are going to be able to sit still, knowing they're out there? Now hold on. Those beings were celestials. They're looking out for the good of everyone and everything. They were willing to wipe out our entire world just to clean up their mess. How is that for the good of everyone? Can't trust them. They don't care about mortals. They just care about looking like they're good. Come on, you too, brother? That's not entirely true. They listen to us. The gods aren't here to control us. They want to work with us. What, by destroying us? By wiping out our home? Come now. Let's stop having this fight again. Gods will do what gods will do. And us mortals will make our own choices. Now, make peace. Uh, Sorry, brother. Sorry, Solomon. All is well, friends. Let's drink and rejoice. This is a night we should be celebrating. For we have saved countless lives. To victory. To To victory! victory! The companions raise their glasses and drink as we find ourselves slowly leaving the tavern with the hearty glow over the small town of Illini and drifting high above the lands of the Sword Coast where we see a small gleaming ivory tower glowing softly in the distance. As time began to pass and peace started to settle over the land, our heroes could not shake their unease. Eldrick would walk past a church and find himself glaring at the holy symbols. Maleficent would find herself making excuses to traveling priests why they couldn't stay at her inn in Illini. Even Solomon would find himself in deep contemplation about what the gods meant by resetting reality. The only one who wasn't troubled was the fearless leader, Dorum, who instead found herself engrossed in researching a dangerous topic. The Far Realms. We find ourselves in Dorum's study, where her father Ethix, an old brass dragon, has come to visit. Dorum's study is in this large cave. Shelves and seats are all around, tables magnificently carved from stone, clearly using magic, are dotted here and there, and Dorum sits at one of them. Ethix lowers his head near Dorum and peers at her books. What have we here, little one? Studying an odd subject, I see. Good morning, Ethix. Morning? It's almost evening, my dear. 
Have you been eating? Yes, Ethix, I have been. I guess I just didn't notice the time pass. I've been meaning to tell you. When we defeated Palgrath, I saw a vision. A vision? What kind of vision? It still burns in my mind. It's clear as day. I saw an old man. I knew him to be my great-grandfather, though I'm not sure how. He was trapped in this Far Realms place, staring out from a great bubble dome. Great shining and kind light enveloped him, and he reached out a hand. But when I reached out to him, the light was suddenly cold. And then I came to. Hand outstretched and cold. Aethix turns towards his daughter, staring concerned at her. Hmm. I wouldn't be meddling in these affairs, Dorum. If he really is trapped there, then there must be a reason. This realm you research is not meant for mortals to wander in. Many of great power have traveled to lands such as this and were changed when they returned. If they returned. I don't want you going there. Be that as it may, I shouldn't just abandon him there. He's the only family I have left. Aethix winces a slight bit. I'm sorry, aside from you, Aethix, of course. But you know what I mean. You might know something of my parents, or where they could have disappeared to. We need to get him back here. I understand, dear child. I know you seek closure on your past, but I just feel looking into this realm is inviting trouble. There are beings older than time and beyond comprehension in there. They could very well shatter your mind, or, or worse, just by even staring at them. You don't even know if you'll be able to get back from there. I know, I'm taking precautions. But listen, Ethix, according to this, if we use the ley line underneath the White Tower, we could set a portal from there easily. Also, I have a stone that should help with the issue, around time not working properly there. Dorum produces a chunk of strange metal that glints in the firelight. Dwarven ruins are carved all over it, and inside those ruins are more ruins as it continues, until the ruins are too small to see. Ethix stares at the stone warily, and then turns back to Dorum. And what if you run into something too dangerous? Or something that wants to eat you? What if that stone of yours doesn't work? Do you have a backup plan to escape that realm? Then we either defeat it, run, or I'll create a portal to get us out of there. Father, we've been adventuring for a number of years. We know what to do in dangerous situations. Dorum, I'm not discrediting the work you and your group have done. You have vanquished a foe that most in this world could not stand up to, let alone defeat. I know the great strength you and your companions possess. I just worry that you going into this realm could trap you there as well, or worse. Dorum leans over and hugs the old dragon's head. Don't worry, Father. We'll take every precaution we can. And if it's too much, then we'll leave. Does that make you feel better? I suppose. But let me at least craft an amulet to protect you. I'll make it one of those starburst symbols. You like those. Okay. That'll calm you down. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be calm having a daughter as adventurous as you. Now get some rest. Aethix turns and maneuvers out of the cave as Dorum blows out the large lantern near her and closes the book she was reading. As the light fades with Dorum leaving the room, we briefly see the cover of this book. 
The strange leather wrapped around the book has a simple title written with a tarnished copper. A Guide to All Things by G. Dot L. Once more we find ourselves back at the inn in Illini, but this time, this inn has new ownership, for Mal has purchased the inn and has been spending most of her time just running it and keeping Illini alive with a bit of business. The group sits around a table at Mal's inn waiting for Dorum. It's been a few months since they last saw each other, and Dorum has called them all together with some big news. The cold winter winds rattle the windows, and the fireplace roars with a great fire to offer some comfort from the chill. Mal comes in with everyone's drinks and sets them out before taking a seat herself. Two beers for Aldric, rum for Solomon, and the good stuff for myself. Isn't that just juice? Uh, it's ice wine, thank you very much. I'm living the high life now that I own this place. No more cheap wine for me. But isn't that stuff super sweet? That's the idea. Dorum enters the inn, the cold winds and snow blowing in along with her, bundle of books and papers in her hands. By the gods! That damn wind! Alright, enough you two. She isn't even charging you for drinks. Yes, she did. Oh, well she doesn't charge me. Thanks again, Mal, for letting us have this here. They stare over at Maleficent, who smiles into a wine glass. Alright, so the reason I called you all here, in the middle of this hellish winter, is because I found something big. Oh. Is it about your missing uncle or whatever? Uh, great-grandfather. Huh. Right. Yes, I've been researching this place. They were last seen going before they went missing. It's a place known as the Far Realms. The group stares at Dorum, waiting for further explanation. When one doesn't happen, Mal speaks up. Where is that? Are you talking beyond Evermeet or something? I'm talking other world. Beyond Hell and Celestia, past the elemental plains. The far realms, apparently, is past the furthest plains and then some. Wait, what does that even mean? How is there something beyond nothing? That's just it. Most people thought there was nothing. But apparently my great-grandfather figured it out with his peers. Not only that, but I think the reason he went missing is because he's actually there. But that would mean your great-grandpa would be dead, wouldn't he? Yeah, you're in your mid-thirties and human, Dorum. If your great-grandpa was still alive, he would probably be well over a hundred. How are we even sure he is alive? Or coherent? Mal's right, Dorum. I'm glad you found out where he could have gone, but this seems like a lot of risk for just a chance that he might be there. Friends, I know. I know this is dangerous, but I wouldn't be asking unless I had concrete proof. Look at this. Dorum pulls out a perfectly smooth white stone. It gives off a soft glow, and the group stares at it as they feel a warm, comforting feeling pass over themselves. Is that the thing that weird dragonborn brought in? That busy gaudy guy, or whatever he's called. 
Yes! I have been in contact with a number of wizard colleagues across Faerun, and I'm certain this is it. This is the real deal. This, my friends, is a Farstone. They're connectors to the Far Realms. Apparently, warlocks have been making them when they form pacts with their patrons. They can hold messages, powerful spells, and other things inside of them, but mainly they're used as keys. So this isn't cheap, but I am excited we got it. Alright, but why is this rock evidence? Here. Doram sets the rock on the table and begins muttering incantations. The rock floats into the air, bursting apart into tiny little pieces. These pieces move around, forming pictures in a rectangle. You see an old man in robes talking to an old woman as they look over to a hilly field. That's him, my great-grandfather. Well, damn. I guess it looks like we got ourselves a brand new adventure, Sacred Flame. I guess I can get my gear out of storage. But listen, Dorum, this is the last time, you hear? I know, Mal. Promise you can rest after this. Well, this sure beats bodyguard duty, so I'm in. Then it's agreed. In a few days, we shall get ready to go to the Far Realms. As the party finishes their drinks and the small farstone slowly gets put back together, a set of yellow eyes stare back at the group. Just for a part of a second, from the little window the farstone offered before it closes. The sun is high in the sky as the four stand in the snow, looking up at this grand ivory tower. The tower itself feels misplaced. It's a seemingly perfect structure that appears to be made out of one piece of stone. It reaches into the sky and radiates power. Beautiful stained glass windows decorate the higher floors, and at the base it appears there's no door. There's not even a path leading up to this tower, almost as if it was plucked right from the heavens and placed right there in that snowy hill. The only sound around them is the howling winter winds from the tundra and the crunch of snow. The place even seems devoid of life. Never thought we would come back here. Tell me about it. Last time we were here, we almost died fighting Palgrith. Honestly, I thought his tower would return to Celestia when he was defeated. I guess they really don't want the property of a fallen archangel, huh? Well, that worked out in our favor, because the energy inside this tower is exactly what we need. There's a lot of extra-dimensional magics all over this thing, and it should be more than enough to open the gate. Are we sure we want to be doing this? I mean, I'm all for helping you, Dorum, but this feels so risky. Those warlocks we contacted didn't even know what to expect in the Far Realms. They just kept saying, expect the unexpected. We're gonna be fine, don't worry. We've slain one of Heaven's strongest soldiers when they went berserk. We can handle some weird otherworldly creatures. Dorum raises her hands and begins to chant. 
Symbols appear and form the outline of a door. Slowly, a thin light cracks through the door, opening and revealing a stark white hallway with gold trim. I guess let's do this. As the companions walk into this tower, each seems to be tense, as though anticipating something to leap from the walls or a trap to be sprung. The door slowly closes as they advance with weapons drawn. They walk through this hallway, stark white marble floors, past a few closed doors, and they reach the end of a barren stretch. Another door off to the left with stairs leading upwards to the higher levels. What's happening here? Dorm, this is a dead end. Unless you want to go upstairs. I thought so too, but apparently Palgrith had a few tricks up his sleeve. Dorm begins to mutter more incantations as the door begins to appear much like the outer door. Slowly, this door cracks open and the party is met with a chill breeze, colder than the winter winds that blow outside. Hold on. I've searched this place thoroughly. And I mean really thoroughly. I spent a week combing each square foot of this place and did not see any sign of this door. I know, this one seemed to have evaded all of us. A few nights before I called you over, I started having dreams about this tower. I kept seeing a beautiful shining light around this door, and it opened up to the cellar of the tower, and then I'd find myself awake, holding this far stone. Doram tosses the small, smooth white stone into the air, and a pleasant wave of energy flows from it before catching it. This is getting weirder and weirder. This isn't godly stuff, is it? Last time we dealt with them, nothing good came of it. No, this isn't anything to do with the pantheons. From what I've read, even the gods avoid the far realms. If anything, they just use it as a dumping ground. Wonderful. I'm not sure how youthful I'll be if the god's domain does not stretch out there. Don't worry, Solomon. We will ensure the great father Matthews stays safe. Solomon rolls his eyes as Aldrich, Dorham, and Mal follow him laughing. As they descend the stairs, the door behind them closes. Quickly, the walls fade from being a white perfect stone to rough dugout walls. The walls themselves seem to be carved out by basic tools. As they finally reach what seems to be the basement, the temperature has dropped considerably and the party bundles up close as their breath hangs in the air. The light of Dorum's staff gleams across the room, illuminating the simple earthen walls. Um, am I missing something? What's with this whole dugout cave? Isn't the Tower of Palgrith the Unclean supposed to be all one solid piece of stone? I... I don't know. I saw in my dreams this was all stonework, and there were runes all over the ground. When I placed the stone in the middle of the runework, a portal opened. Come on now, friends. This isn't the first weird cave we've searched. Perhaps these runes are hidden by an illusion or spell of some kind. Let's look around. As the party looks throughout the room, casting spells and trying to find any hint of life or interaction with this hollowed-out earth, the floor begins to shift. A strange, purplish substance begins pouring out of the ground, covering the whole floor. 
the party launches themselves back in surprise, but after a moment they realize this strange substance wasn't trying to grab them or harm them. Dorum crouches down to peer at this material that almost seems to pulse with a heartbeat. This organism is called Scourge. Apparently it's like some kind of plant in the Far Realms. Creatures use it to house their eggs and raise their young. It provides a sort of nutrients for them, and they protect it and cultivate it. And let me guess, you learned about this in a dream too? Dorum stares blankly at Aldric. No, a book, Aldric. But the good news is, we have runes. Slowly, purple runes that are outlined in a black light begin appearing on the scourge as it creeps up the walls and covers the ceilings. I wonder why the dream showed this place, with white stone instead of the scourge. Dreams and visions are often more representations of what could happen, or what has happened, rather than concrete evidence. I'm afraid you're dealing with the realm of mysticism and not the Arcanodorum. Things are not as clear-cut for us folks that deal with the divine. Fair enough, but honestly, I'm not a fan. Well, let's get this portal open. Everyone prepare yourselves. I don't know what we'll face out there. The party draws the weapons once more as Dorum steps into the circle of runes that appear to be glowing inside the scourge. Their purple light glows a bit brighter, casting everything with a purple hue. Dorum pulls out the perfectly smooth farstone and begins to lower it to the runes. It suddenly is pulled from her fingers as though a magnetic force grabbed it and the scourge begins hungrily devouring it. Within seconds, the white stone is consumed, and inside it lies a jagged obsidian shard. Dorum cautiously picks it up. As she does, a tear suddenly forms in front of her. The runes light up with a blinding light, and the party is ripped through this portal that closes just as fast as it opened. The scourge slowly retreats back into the earth, and the empty earthen room is barren once more. Slowly, eyes are blearily opened. The scene goes from black to a blurry bright array of colors and black again as the heroes struggle to keep their eyes open. As the vision finally starts to return, they adjust quickly to their surroundings. Neon purple and red grass covers the ground, slowly swaying with the wind. The sky is a vast array of swirling colors and strange creatures fly throughout the air. A whale-like beast, covered in feathers and spines, swoops down, consuming a number of strange flying humanoid creatures. They shriek out and their blood rains down onto a forest that hungrily reaches out long, scaly tongues, desperate to catch a droplet or two. We look around and see four adventurers on the ground. Dorum has propped herself up on her elbows and is looking about. Slowly, the other three begin to wake and all are stopped in looks of shock as they watch this chaotic land unfold. They see a large hill filled with mushrooms as tall as houses, 
suddenly be consumed by a much larger hill with much larger mushrooms, and then settle down and a brick road appears upon it. They watch as a group of beings, similar to the concept of a centaur, except they have four human arms for legs and a human torso for the normal torso, and then the upper body is that of a spider with the head of one with a massive eyeball. It's just galloping along in this mushroom forest. Dorum, where in the nine hells did you just bring us? Um, I think this is the Far Realms. That or we all just took far too many drugs and we're still in that basement. Oh, Solomon, how are my pupils? Uh, um, they're fine, Eldrick. I, I don't think this is a hallucination. Uh, I think we really are in this Far Realms place. I, I, I don't feel my connection to Lathander. It feels empty, cold, like I should be able to reach him, but there's just nothing there. Well, that's great. So no magical healing, and we are in a place where the hills are literally eating one another. Wait, calm down, everyone. Just give me a minute. Uh, we don't have a minute, duck! <laughs> <laughs> Dorum quickly ducks as Eldrick swings a massive blade made out of darkness. The great sword cleaves the humanoid figure in half. The purple flesh-covered being falls to the ground. The eyeless face looks towards everyone and shrieks before Eldrick stomps on its head. Releasing a splatter of yellowish ichor. I got a feeling there's gonna be a lot more where that came from. Everyone be on guard. Eldrick, what the hell was that? Ugh. I don't know. Never fought one before. I mean that damn sword. That was the Darkblade, wasn't it? Are you freaking kidding me, Aldrich? The Darkblade? It took us ages to kill the thing that was wielding that. You saw what it turned that person into? I know. I know. Alright? Not like I picked this stupid thing up on my own. One day I was just in the middle of a bar fight and the damn thing burst out of my palm. Ever since then, the stupid blade has been ripping out of my hand on instinct. Not by choice. Well, that's just great. When were you planning on telling me? Or better yet, anything else you're hiding, dear brother? No, no. That's that's it, I swear. I've been, uh, I don't know, freaked out by it, I guess. And I was kind of just hoping it would go away or something. Aldrich, it's a cursed blade. It's not just going to go away like a bad cold. That thing uses your soul as fuel and will turn you into one of those monsters we've had to put down countless times. Solomon places a hand on his forehead and begins pacing frantically. Lathander's light, what are we supposed to do now? Dorum, seemingly distracted and looking out to the distance, responds to everyone, having them all turn towards her. Okay, I think I got it. It's pretty weak, but I have a bead on where my great-grandfather is. Hold on, Dorum. Are you just going to wash over what just happened here? Hmm? Oh, that. I'm sorry, you two. I've known about Aldrich for some time now. You have? Yes. You know those Chosen who've been causing some trouble? No. No way. Aldrich cannot be one of those freaks. They're not freaks, Mal. They're people. People unlucky enough to have been chosen by something. And to fight in that war of theirs. Aldrich must have been chosen himself. 
Those unlucky people turn into egg sacs when they die and are reborn monstrous versions of themselves with incredible powers and wipe out entire towns. I know, but that's not going to happen to Aldric. We're going to fix this. Well, how do we cure it? By the gods, he's going to turn into one of those monsters. Damn it, Dorm, this is my brother. Why didn't you tell me? Because I was hoping we could find a cure here. All signs of those parasites that they have on them have led to the Far Realms. The Darkblade is no exception. If we can find its origin point, we can break the link. I wanted to find my great-grandfather not just to save him, but to save Aldric too. Aldric stares at everyone confused and worried. You guys, this is too much. What is even going on? A pathway suddenly forms out of the rapidly decaying purplish corpse on the ground and begins winding into the hills with a sickening oozing sound. The party watches in an almost defeated exhaustion. I understand everyone is upset, but we can't wait here, it's too dangerous. I'll explain on the way. Everyone, please follow me. The party marches away, continuing to speak of the Chosen and the dangers this land seems to hold. As they march down the purple road, large creatures lurking in the shadows, Yellow eyes stare with curiosity as their lips curl into a smile, cracking with yellowish ichor leaking out. The party travels along a strange purplish path, seeing the rapidly changing landscape wherever they go. They see elephant-like creatures with 40-foot-long legs and trunks reaching to the ground, grabbing trees that scream with many mouths. And the elephant creatures eat them. They see mountains that are constantly changing shape. At one point, they even see a lake that just start slowly moving into the air and then hovering above the lake bed it once rested upon. This exhausting journey was also not without a fight. They were constantly assaulted by these strange purple-skinned creatures as they made their way, but thankfully they were able to slay them with little issue. As they were cresting another hill, they saw a glittering dome over a forest of trees, whose leaves were made out of fingernails. Dorum, look! That looks like that spell you cast back when we fought that fire elemental in Luskin. You're right, Mal. Everyone hurry. That must be my great-grandfather and his circle. The party made their way through the uncomfortable forest, crunching on fallen fingernails as they go. Exiting the forest, they see this massive dome, glimmering with many colors. It stands at least 80 feet tall and the arcane energy humming from it can be felt clearly in the air. A number of robed individuals are inside of it. Some tables have been laid out with books and maps, and there are even a few tents set up. One older man in particular looks up and locks eyes with Dorum before looking at the rest of the group. It looks like they've only been here for a bit. How is that even possible? Dorum, didn't you say they were here for decades? Yes, but as you've seen with everything else, Aldric, things don't work normally here. Everyone be on guard. I got a bad feeling about all of this. The elder robe man says something to his companions, 
and they nod as he approaches the edge of the dome. He motions for the party to come closer. Who are you, travelers? Forgive me for my suspicions, but the far realm does not see many strangers, let alone many who travel its land so freely. Are you... Dalen? Dalen eyes the group suspiciously. Yes. And who might you be? My name is Dorum. Dorum Highfire. And these are my companions. Highfire? I don't remember any of our family members being named Dorum. Tell me the truth. Who are you? I am who I claim to be. Dalen, it has been a long time since you first stepped foot in this land. You've been trapped in the Far Realms for close to a century. I'm your great-granddaughter. My companions and I have come to rescue you. Dalen looks concerned and turns to his companions. They can hear him shouting, but it's muffled by the barrier. They rush over and he's pointing at the group and talking quickly. Mal turns towards Dorum and quietly says, Do you think he believes you? Honestly, I'm not sure. He seems to believe how long he was trapped here, at least. Well, that's something. He seems a little paranoid, though. Dorm, I know I've been saying this a lot, but I really don't like the feeling of all this. Something just feels... off. Solomon, this whole damn world feels off. But we're here, and Aldrich needs to be here, so just deal with it for now. Dalen comes back and waves a hand. A doorway forms in the barrier and he steps back from it. Come inside, please. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. As the group nervously steps inside the barrier, it seals behind them. They're led over to a fire near the center of the encampment. Please, sit down. They awkwardly sit down, though the three of them are still quite cautious while Dora smiles, excited to talk to Dalen. Aren't you going to introduce us to your friends? Dalen stares at his robed companions, who are just staring back at him. <sighs> yes, my friends. Once they were a great mage circle, one of the most powerful in all of Faerun, but now... Dalen waves his hand, and they fade away. Skeletons are suddenly revealed all around the encampment. The group jumps to their feet, suddenly drawing weapons. What the? Dalen, what did you do? What happened to these people? Answer quick, you messed up wizard. Or else. Please, please, stow your weapons. They all died without my doing. Dalen takes a seat near the fire, staring into it. A look of exhaustion sits on his face as the flames flicker in front of him. The party still cautiously keeps the weapons drawn as Dalen begins to tell his tale. It happened to them one by one. We'd be talking to each other, things would seem normal, and then we would turn back to the person and they would be standing there, but their skeleton would be on the ground. When we would go to grab them, we found they were an illusion, an echo of someone once there, but they would remain. This echo would go about their day, never noticing their own death and refusing to acknowledge it. I thought maybe it was their soul. We theorized and tried trapping them in soul stones, hoping to bring them back, but their soul was gone. If what you say is true, 
We have been here this long. It's possible time simply claimed them. Though, why it hasn't taken me? I do not know. We tried for weeks to create barriers and spells to ward off these effects, but it just keeps happening. We were defeated. I don't even know by what. Tears well up in Dalen's eyes as he poked the fire with his staff. I keep their echoes around for company. I miss them dearly. Just having them around helps put my mind and heart at ease. The party glances at one another, feeling pity for the poor trapped wizard. They slowly sheathe their weapons and take a seat once more. That's awful. I'm sorry this happened to you and your companions, Dalen. Dalen nods as he continues staring into the flames. Dalen, you said it's been a bit since this all happened. How long has it been for you? I'm not sure. Time is strange here and I've lost any way to keep track. It certainly doesn't feel like years, but it feels more than a few months. If it seemed like that to him, what's going to happen to us? You all don't have to worry about that. I retrieved something on my travels to make sure that we would be safe. Doran pulls out a strange rock with dwarven runes called all along it. It's called a forge stone. It's something of a dwarven relic, but it has the power to manipulate time. This will keep us safe. Dalen... How can we get you out of here? How do we all escape? Dalen glances up from the fire to meet eyes with his great-granddaughter. He takes a deep breath and wipes his eyes with his sleeve. There's only one way. We need to gather the three instruments that seem to control the reality of this land. When their songs change, the lands shift with them. If we had those, we could easily create a way home. Three instruments? Do we know where they are? All around us. The harp of Celestia. The horn of hell. The mortal drum. We set up camp here to be able to study them and take them back with us, but before we knew it, people started turning into echoes. Well, if all we need to do is grab three instruments, that's fine. But I have to ask, why the hell did you come out here in the first place? This place is messed up, and even the trees are hostile. What could have inspired you to come out here? The Shining God. Solomon looks a little hopeful at the mention of this. The Shining God? You mean Lathander? No, no, not your sun god. The Shining God is much more beautiful and bright than that. The Shining God came to all of us in a dream. The wondrous splendor shone upon all of us and told us of these three instruments. They told us that we need to take them back to Faerun, and that we would be gifted amazing things. Without hesitation, we came here, just to please that benevolent and beautiful being. The group eyes one another uncomfortably. Uh, well, Shining God or whatever. Sounds like we need to get these three instruments. Let's just grab them and get the hell out of here. I agree. Dalen, you stay here. And we'll be back once we have the three instruments. Very well. I will await your arrival. The group leaves the dome, heading towards the first instrument with instructions given to them by Dalen. They turn to one another as the strange landscape begins to shift to a rocky terrain. And Solomon says under his breath, I got a bad feeling about all this.
The group wanders for a short while before they begin hearing the sounds of a trumpet. A strange pink creature with a long muzzle and no hair or eyes plays a brass trumpet with glowing red runes. The group looks at one another as this creature continues playing the trumpet, completely ignoring them. Its long willowy arms hold the instrument high as it plays its song to the sky and begins dancing back and forth. So... we kill it, right? I think so. I feel kind of bad, though. Yeah, attacking some creature playing an instrument isn't great. Maybe we can try. Doran reaches a hand out and this energy ripples from her fingers, snatching the trumpet from the creature with telekinesis. The creature falls back and howls. Serrated blades jump forth from its arms, and it springs forward in a charge. Snapping the fingers of her other hand, the creature explodes, sending its body parts in all directions. Whoa! What the hell, Dorum? We didn't even try talking to it first. Dorum stares back at them, her eyes a little cold. We need these instruments. We can't waste any time trying to play games with these creatures. We don't even know if Dalen still alive after this little walk, or if another hundred years has passed. Doran begins marching towards the sound of a harp in the far distance. The group quickly races after her. Doran, you can't just kill things without thinking. What the hell's gotten into you? Doran blinks a few times and stops almost seemingly lightheaded. I... I don't know. I'm sorry. I just felt like I had to do that. And before I knew it, I had that horn in my hands. Doram turns towards Solomon, fear in her eyes. Solomon, we need to get the hell out of here. I think this place is starting to affect me. Solomon nods to Doram with a serious look on his face. He puts an arm around her, helping her walk towards the harp as the rest continue looking at her concerned, and they begin to follow. After a short while, they begin to hear the harp a bit louder. Alright, as much fun as this all is, we need to just take the instruments and then we can get the hell out of here. I know we're supposed to look into this blade, but maybe we can do that from back home. Dalen could probably help us, right? I agree. The sooner we get this done, the better. But just killing these random people of this world and stealing their stuff doesn't feel right either. I feel like the sacred flame is really striding into that moral gray area. Look, yeah. I don't like this any more than you do, Mal. But if we just keep waiting around, this world's gonna start shifting our minds too. Or maybe one of these damn hills will just eat us. Damn it! Eldrick's right. I hate this as well, but we need those instruments. Everyone, double time to the harp. Let's get this done quick. We can't afford to spend another minute here. The party quickly races along the rocky terrain before it sharply changes into a swamp. The strange royal blue waters are thick as paint, and the willow branches reaching down extend tongues and lap at the thick blue water. A seemingly normal frog jumps at them and then explodes into tiny featherless birds with inside-out skin, flapping away wetly into the sky. Gods be damned, I hate this place! The party wades their way cautiously but quickly towards the harp. There they see a being, headless, with a stump at the end of their neck. The wound looks fresh. Two floating hands seem to be freshly severed are playing this harp. The torso floats in the air and a metal mantle rests upon this being's shoulders. Let's not waste any time. Hurry! Everyone, 
Eldrick charges forward with the dark blade appearing in his hands. The being turns and strums the harp, sending a wave of powerful, radiant energy, blasting its way, sending Eldrick flying into a tree that starts licking at him. Aldrick! Everyone be careful, that's radiant energy. Mal draws two daggers that glow a soft blue. Launching them towards the being, they suddenly burst into flames. And before the being can even strum the harp, they pierce the hands, pinning them to another tree. I got the harp. Dorm, deal with this creature. As Solomon dives for the harp, Dorm readies a fireball and sends it at the creature. The ball of flame shoots forward and halfway through suddenly burns white hot and grows even larger. Dorum's eyes grow wide as this fire engulfs the creature, leaving only ash in its wake. By the gods! Did you all see that? Something just enhanced my spell. Mal flicks her hands and the daggers come sailing back to her flames extinguished. Well, that's pretty damn handy. What was it? I don't know. One moment I was casting this fireball, and the next moment... I just knew what to think, and suddenly it was far more powerful. Eldrick trades worried glances with Solomon as Solomon turns back to Dorum, harp in hand. This land is changing you, Dorum. We need to get out of here and fast. The drum isn't far. I could hear it. Let's keep moving. They all nod to one another, looking more worried than before. Rushing through the swamp, they find themselves suddenly stumbling forward into a field of pink prairie grass. The tall grass sways in the wind as smells of iron and smoke. In the distance, they see a drum being banged on by a being that looks humanoid. As the group approaches the being, cautious and exhausted, the being's face is covered in almost a static-like filter. They chaotically bang on the drum with two large mallets, dancing back and forth. Their strange clothes resemble that of a sunflower, and the smell of stale cigarettes linger in the air. All right, everyone. Last one. The party begins to ready an attack, when suddenly, the being stops moving. They all hesitate for a moment, and quickly turn as they hear footsteps behind them, and the world shifts once more. The group looks around surprised, finding themselves looking around Dalen's camp once more. The old wizard is sitting with his back to the group, facing the fire. Looking around confused, they see the drum near Dalen, being played lightly by the chaotic being. Come closer, sacred flame. The group looks worried at one another, hands gripping their weapons even tighter. What's with that voice? Dorum? I don't think that's Dalen anymore. Dorum nods at Mal as the party cautiously moves towards the seated wizard. Dalen slowly turns his head towards them and smiles in the firelight. His skin looks stretched taut. His beard is long, bristly, and gray. The teeth inside his head are rotted, and his fingernails are yellowed. His yellow eyes stare back at the group as his lips begin to bleed from cracks due to an ever-widening smile. What the hell are you? Where is Dalen? The creature stands up and brushes themselves off. When they stand, it's awkward, as though this was a whole new action to them. Sorry, still getting used to the body. 
Doesn't seem like a good fit, though. Too much power has left the building, so to say. Dalen's possessed. Like that one time Pelgrith had possessed the mayor. The body couldn't hold him and it started decaying and aging rapidly. Ooh, close. Rather than possession, though, I would think of this more as permanently moving in. Brought all my bags in on one go and I'm hunkering down in the living room. Just as the creature takes a step towards the group, Doran blasts a beam of light towards Dalen. It pierces through his chest and through the head of the chaos being, and they both fall to the ground, the drum banging onto the floor. <laughs> Whoops. Looks like you killed this meat suit, but you also woke up daddy. Get ready, kids. You're in for a whole heap of trouble. <laughs> As Dalen's corpse hits the ground and begins decaying rapidly, the ground begins to shake. As the world around them wavers and flickers, a loud moan can be heard, rattling everything. They all cover their ears, falling to their knees as the sound is too much. Blood can be felt coming from their eyes, ears, nose and mouth as the sonic boom slowly fades. The drum. We need to get the drum. The party collapses to the ground, their energy spent from traveling throughout this hellish land. The sonic blast was the last straw and ripped what little energy they had left. As they lay on their backs, blinking and gasping for air, they see it. Emerging from the sky are thousands of tentacles miles long. A bright and glowing light emanates from all parts of this being. Their fleshy bone form constantly shifts, growing eyes the size of lakes, mouths as deep as canyons, hands larger than mountains, and tentacles longer than most kingdoms. Everything and anything forms from this being and is absorbed back into them. A dazzling array of colors make up this being of dreams as tentacles begin descending towards all of them. Their eyes widen in horror as they find they can't move. They struggle and Aldric manages to lift one hand, the dark blade flashing into existence. As one of the massive tentacles comes towards him, he weakly slashes it and even though barely any force is applied, the blade cuts through like nothing. Another moan echoes and pushes them into the ground, cracking it all around them, the dark blade vanishing from Eldrick as he's pinned by the force. The tentacle reaches back once more, and the tip pierces Eldrick's abdomen. He screams out in pain as the rest look on horrified. His arms swell to the size of tree trunks. His skin splits and falls from his body as his head slowly moves to the center of his chest, the flesh making way for the new arrival. Four tentacles rip from his back and lift him up as his body keeps getting bigger and more muscular. His armor tears and falls to the ground and as he holds up his massive form, resting on the knuckles of his bladed hand. The next goes for Mal. 
It stabs into her chest and looks as though everything inside of her, bone, organs, tissue, everything aside from skin is removed, and then she begins to inflate back up. She stands and screams an echoing scream. As they see her skin has become gray and where her eyes should be, and in her mouth there is only the void. A nothingness leaks out of her as she holds her head swaying back and forth howling, slowly fading from this dimension. The third goes for Solomon and then stops and waits. Solomon's eyes grow wide as his skin begins to tighten. A large bristly grey beard bursts from his face and his hair grows grey and dried out. His irises turn a sickly yellow and his fingers crack and creak. He howls out a scream that slowly turns into a laugh as the ghoulish one smiles, lips splitting and dripping blood. That's more like it. I haven't had a body like this before. I feel the power. Doram stares at her companions tears streaming down her face. She led them here. She led them to their doom. She needed to turn back time. She reaches for the forge stone around her neck, but the fourth tentacle was too fast. It slithered down and lightly touched her forehead. Power surged through her, her body lifting into the air. Brilliant, beautiful, shining light burst from her eyes and mouth. She felt so much power, so much knowledge, and so much rage. The truth, the truth was finally revealed to her. The gods were behind it. The gods were behind everything. The constant resetting of the multiverse was the reason the Far Realms existed in the first place. The Far Realms was simply the dumping grounds of the gods' playthings. The monsters, the Eld Ones, the horrifying beings in misshapen reality was just a result of gods tossing it all away into the void. She needed to stop them before it was too late for all the worlds in this reality. Doram Highfire must go to war against the gods. Then you're all just like, kind of like you're all transfixed and this TV just explodes in front of you. This orb shatters. <sighs> and you're all just snapped too, looking at it. That was, that was awful. They, they were just innocent heroes, just like us. They were. Yeah. And then they were presented. Yes. Yeah. They were known as the Sacred Flame. I find this very troubling because it seems like the same thing could happen to us. Very well could. That's exactly what I thought. The difference between you and them 
is the gift that I have bestowed upon you on your left hand. That is the only thing keeping your minds together as you face these creatures. Otherwise, the madness would have already consumed you. You must find those three instruments. And you must retrieve those three pieces. Once you do this, you can put Azathoth back into slumber. I've made an oath to destroy the Matthews no matter what, but Azathoth is the real reason that we're in this situation. The, that the whole world is being, every world is being destroyed. He has to be stopped no matter the cost. Well, we got this far, guys. What do you think? Keep going? I think we can do it. Yeah. I mean, either we do it or we die. Technically, yeah. We have no choice. If Even if we fail, we are already dead. Well, okay, we we faced up Oblivion, a being that is... Ex when we were working together, we were able to defeat Oblivion. We could defeat this. I'm quite sure, like, they will be way stronger than Oblivion is. But we'll become stronger. By dying. That's the problem. Not by dying. By being smart. By fighting hard. No war is not won without sacrifice. I agree with you. We need to, to be smart. We need to like be able to strategize you know, our plans prior to anything. Mm -hmm. We need to fight as one. One being. We can do this, guys. You see a door forms behind you. And it's just there for whenever you're ready. When you step through that door, you will be back in Welshire. You will be back at the play. Is there anything else that you can give us to help us? I mean, since you are a, an all-powerful being. That's three questions. You take ten points of damage <laughs> as your lips blister. <laughs> <laughs> and he, 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 you know, he didn't say it was him doing this. He just looks down at all of you. You will be able to defeat this enemy with what I've given you. It is up to how you use these gifts. Well, guys. I suppose that's that. This is just the beginning. I say we keep going. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see this to the end. Let's do this. Come on, guys. Do we do we have a moment where we like all put our hands in the middle? Yes. The, the hand with the symbol? Your left <laughs> hands? Yeah. We all put yeah. our hands in the middle. Come on, guys. I, uh, I walk through the door. Yeah, I walk beyond the... The red door. You all walk through it, and you find yourself just like suddenly, like you take in a deep breath. You felt kind of like you fell <sighs> into your bodies, and you're sitting there in the back row of this play, and you see like this awkward sword fight happen, and people going like, Ugh! as like this fake blood is spewing onto the stage, and they clash, and there's this one guy in like yellow robes, and like his face is clearly showing. And that is the story of the king in yellow. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And he bows, and uh, we'll end this episode here.
Oh, I absolutely love this episode. I have listened to it probably like 10 times, mainly because I had to for editing's sake, but also because I very much enjoyed it. I really hope you travelers have had a good time hopping into this and learning some backstory on our villains, because it's always one of the hardest things to do is to give your villains proper backstory and to really dig into that lore because so often the characters if they get into a monologue scene or research they'll try to skim over it to figure out how do we defeat the big bad person where's the bad person all that stuff so it's just nice being able to dive into this lore using this format so once again i know i've said this before but make sure you stick around the promos are coming and if you're curious about that last bit with death shift actually uh like coming in near the end that was actually the end of the the previous like king and yellow part three i just said cut it in half to put this end part at the end of this because it didn't make sense to have it by itself and it definitely didn't make sense to let you listen to it before you heard this audio drama so the players i told them all this uh these notes in short form so that's where they're getting their impression from if you've been enjoying our tale we of course would appreciate any kind of review you can throw our way because it helps a lot boosting our numbers and getting our name out there you know kitchen in a few eyes but if you've also been enjoying our tale and you're looking for more ballad goodness you want more weird npcs frightening creatures body horror and otherworldly entities entering into a cosmos where people can't handle it then i really suggest you check out our new stream we have going on rise of Nirlathotep. it happens every tuesday 6 30 p.m central time and if you don't catch it we toss it all up on YouTube, so Battle to the Seven Dice YouTube and Battle to the Seven Dice Twitch, so check that stuff out. The artwork that we have posted, it is either the little tile image you can see with this video, or if you hop on over to our Twitter or our website, we have the artwork posted there. It's done by Alicia Fraser. She is the same person who did our logo for Battle of the Seven Dice, as well as the artwork for MZ Board on Ronnie and MZ. So... She does absolutely fantastic work. Make sure you check her out on the old social medias. I'll have links in the show notes. Well, without further ado, let's hop onto these promos. Thank you all so much for giving this a listen, and I can't wait to jump into the rest of the story. I bid you all adieu. Hey, I'm Dre Silvertooth, and I'm a GM. You should absolutely come listen to our podcast, because I have the best heroes. They're hunting curses for the Queen of Vire, and it's it's going great. I got five hit points. I have a plan. Is it to write my eulogy? They make really good choices. Oh god, why did I do that? (laughs) (laughs) It's all according to plan. Textbook success. She did fall 45 feet in full armor, though. Well... Fine. They are bad heroes. I have four very bad heroes on my podcast. But they are hilarious. Come check us out at badheroescast.com or find bad heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Bored of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini-campaigns along with one-shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of, or our testers being 
people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum. We want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on your keyboard. There you can find the systems we test along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion Dallas, Passionis, oh, Song of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more! Hi, we're Chasm Quest. Come with us as we voyage across the Chasm Sea and into a heroic adventure into a new world. The quest is dangerous. I want to ride that sword down his body, like, <laughs> just, like split him in half. Mysterious. There's something about the new lens. There's nothing that can prepare us for what's to come. And very, very rowdy. We lick each other's nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Chasm Quest, all one word. Everywhere podcasts are streamed. Now, let's set sail. From the land that brought you Lord of the Rings, Flight of the Concords, and the Square Potato, comes the next great New Zealand invention. For Crits and Giggles is a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons real play podcast, featuring the latest in podcasting technology, Real-life players, dice-rolling action, confusion, laughs, New Zealanders. Join Poe, Anya, Mordai, and Mithras as they stumble through the custom fantasy world of Iannis, trying to save the day without injuring themselves too horrifically. For Crits and Giggles, available now from forcritsandgiggles.com or wherever the very best of podcasts are picked up. For Crits and Giggles, a D&D podcast with slightly different accents.